when I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of B-Balls, my home is throw exceptions. Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program tonight, Damien, a grinder and partner with DangerousThings.com, Cooper, a sysadmin who lives open source solutions, and Cursor, a software developer with a master specializing in RF technology. Up first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, DangerousThings.com, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. And if you or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter via dangerous, hashtag Dangerous Minds Podcast or DangerousMinds.io and we'll be glad to talk to you about it. So today we've got a special bulletin for a previous guest, um, Rich Lee. Um, so he's going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment and fighting for his kids, as some of you may have read. So as a community, we're going to try and give him a hand and see if we can get, get some good news sorted for him. Um, Rich Lee's done a lot for advancements of grinding and biohacking. We as a group need to open our wallets and go to his GoFundMe page. Uh, the address is www.gofundme.com forward slash cyborg dad. I'm going to say it again, www.gofundme.com forward slash cyborg dad. So we want to thank Rich for um, his previous visit and also welcome back for this special episode, uh, though we all wish it was under better circumstances. Um, we're going to do this one a little bit different this week. We're sort of going to see how things flow and turn over the microphone to you, Rich, um, and allow you to lead the conversation um, as, as you will. Um, I want to thank everyone for coming on as well today. And maybe you could start by just explaining for those that haven't seen what the GoFundMe page is all about. Sure. Okay. So last year I got a divorce uh, from my wife, and we have two great kids. Uh, my son is 12 and my daughter is 9. So they're pretty young. Uh, since our divorce back in November 2015, uh, we've shared custody. So essentially, they stay a week at my ex-wife's house and then a week at my house. And uh, things have been pretty good until recently I got an implant in my shins. And um, anyhow, I had posted a video on a YouTube uh, showing a clip of the uh, procedure, which is pretty uh, grisly looking. It, it was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. It, you know, there's there's a knife in my shin, you know, trying to make way for a uh, a uh, implant that was going in there. <clears throat> so uh, basically, the the video stayed up. I, I think it had like 30 views or something like that. And this the video stayed up for uh, a couple hours before the the uh, you know, algorithms detected a song that was playing in the background, and I got flagged for uh, for a uh, copyright infringement. So, anyway, it didn't stay up long. But one of those thirty views was my ex-wife, and she saw this and just uh, flipped flipped out and said that this was a uh, you know an act of self mutilation, and uh, you know that. She called me all, all mad. She said, you know, let me take the kids while you recover. And uh, just to clarify, I, I had the pr procedure done in California. 
And then I had driven back that weekend and picked up my kids. Um, and, uh, you know, so they didn't witness the actual procedure itself. They, they weren't exposed to anything like that. But they did see my, my stitches and my legs and my bandages. And for them, it was like no big deal because this is just weird stuff that dad does all the time. And so essentially one, one day, my ex was, was, was saying, hey, I, I want to take the kids while you recover. And I just thought it was ridiculous. I, I didn't understand her request. It was my week, blah, blah, blah. So long story short, she picks the kids up one night and then sends me a text and just says, you're never seeing your kids again. So she's using right now a loophole in our divorce decree, which uh, essentially is caused confusion for the police. And the police looked at it. They, they didn't know how to interpret it. And they said, you need to go back before a judge and, and, um, and you know, have, have him explain this better so that we can enforce something. And so I started that process and I, I filed a motion to um, get clarification and the, which will, you know, get, get my kids back. And then her attorney came onto the scene and then they filed the motion uh, in opposition and essentially said he's an, uh, that, that I'm an unfit parent because I've undergone this procedure and that I frequently uh, engage in self-mutilation. So there are a lot of other communities that have had similar things happen where, you know, in, in the body modification, um, in body modification circles, people run into this quite a bit where, you know, uh, somebody says, hey, what you're doing is self-mutilation. And they're saying, no, you know, this is like self-expression. And it's completely different. And, and anyway, so the people in that realm have gone through these battles. Uh, transgender people have gone through these battles, right, where they're going through a transition. And they have kids involved and things like that. And, and one parent saying, oh, what you're doing is wrong and, and this and that. And it's really sad because in all of these situations, usually what happens is, one parent is telling the kids, you know, hey, what, what, what the other parent's doing is not self-expression. And it's not self-experimentation or anything like that. What this person is doing is self-mutilation and it's wrong, you know, or it's your, your other parent has a problem, you know. And so in a kid's mind, it kind of makes them think, oh, you know what, I never thought of it like that, you know, and maybe dad has a problem and maybe all this stuff that he does isn't normal, you know, so that's, that's kind of really sad, but that's, that's kind of the way it went down in my case where uh, my ex has had the kids while I wait for court for, um, let's see, since late September and I've been reduced to like visitation instead, so it's uh, it's going to be a long process too. I've I've uh, been told that the courts are backed up right now till about February, and so I'm you know just kind of playing this waiting game, um, and it's expensive. So attorneys are really expensive. Um, I paid mine twelve hundred dollars so far, and it's going to be basically another twelve hundred dollars a month until until I go to trial. Um, my my ex, uh, you know, within within a little while of of getting my kids uh, turn me over to um, basically they've got like a uh, child support collection agency, you know, and, and uh, that collects uh, child support from people, but they don't just collect child support. They, they go to your straight to your employer 
you know, and garnish your wages right away. It's like a, uh, it, it's, you don't even get an option. And I wasn't late in the slightest on, on any kind of payments. So it's like, you know, it just all of a sudden a third of my income's gone, you know, and I'm stuck in this battle where I'm being accused of self-mutilation and, and, you know, not just, not just uh, cool cyborg experiments, you know. And so it, it really threw me for a loop because, you know, my kids, they were always really proud of what I was doing. You know, they, they would see all these crazy experiments that I'd be getting involved in. And they'd always introduce me to their friends, you know, like, oh, hey, come meet my cyborg dad. Check it out. He's got magnets in his hands and check out what he could do with this. And, and dad, make your phone talk, you know, and, uh, you know, and I'd, I'd scan my, uh, my NFC tag and it'd, it'd do like a, a little, you know, text to speech thing. And uh, so they're always really proud of it. And now it's just like, you know, it's been framed in such a way that it was really surprising to me because I didn't think about the self mutilation uh, angle that, you know, she could have pulled. Uh, I, I never saw it coming, I guess, is what, it, what I'm saying, because I've, I've never thought of it as self mutilation because it's not honestly. So anyway, that's where I'm at. So basically I had to start a GoFundMe page because, um, well, being a cyborg, uh, doesn't, doesn't pay the bills. Um, you know, this is something uh, that I, I sink a lot of money into and um, uh, it, it uh, right now at, at the moment, you know, there's not a lot of industry for it. So um, anyway, so I'm appealing for help basically to, to help me get by and help, help this court case get uh, um, like a successful, uh, I, I want my kids back basically. So I'm, I'm appealing to everyone. Um, is there other uh, questions you guys have right now or? <laughs> um, I, I do have uh, just a few questions. I mean, you, you, yeah. you touched on quite a strong point about um, the way your kids felt about it. And there's such a nice thing that you've wrote out on the GoFundMe page, which is about you trying to tell them that body differences are not something to be feared and that some people right. are different through being intentionally different. Some are different from birth and stuff like that. And I think like, this this the, the whole way this has gone is is more threatening you know the the diversity that we should be proud of in the community i think what this, the experiments that specifically you've been involved in are are things like trying to push you know, the boundaries of of human um capabilities and it, it's it's almost gutting to see that something like this can happen off the back of you trying to do that um and my, my sort of question was as well, I was thinking, um, when you were with your, um, your ex, were you involved in the biohacking scene at, at that time or is it something that happened afterwards? Yeah, so I was with my ex for 17 years, uh, 14 of those were married. So basically, she, w she was there the entire time and she, when I first started biohacking, she understood that what I was doing, it was not out of self, you know, it was not, I was not out to self mutilate. Or anything like that and now she wasn't the biggest fan of it at the time you know it was it was kind of like one of those those things that she'd roll her eyes at you know every once in a while but you know there were really no issues with it she knew that I had a passion for it um, you know it, it was the thing that I wanted to do with with my life basically so you know 
now if i mean she's entitled to change her mind i suppose you know uh and i think what she's mainly trying to do is to like sensationalize what what i've done and, and frame it as an act of body you know self-mutilation because she feels that that's like a strong point in in her case to to get full custody of the kids now, and, uh, I, I would i'd be inclined to to agree because if you look at some of the projects you've done, you know, it's not like this one is, is out there more than the rest, right? Every, everything you've done is, is pretty cool and pretty different. Um, and for her to go through that stage of you come out with those kind of ideas and then only to turn around now and to use it as, as almost like fuel for, for, for the fire, you know, it's, it's pretty shocking. Yeah, it is. It it was kind of surprising. And, you know, this one was more invasive. And if we were still married, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if I told her I was going to do it, she'd probably say no, and we'd have an argument about it. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd not give her all the details about, about uh, you know, how, how it was going to be performed and things like that, maybe, and, and see if I could still get away with doing it. But uh, so I think that part of it was just her thinking, you know, oh, I would never allow that if I was still married to him or something. I don't know. I, I, I really can't say her, her thinking there completely, but in the end, it, it wasn't so, it wasn't so radical, to be honest. It, it wasn't so, uh, you know, when you look at it, it, it wasn't so different or alien looking or anything like that. And so, you know, I, I just never saw it coming. You know, it just, it, there are things that I'd like to do, sure, that are, pretty different, you know, they would, it would certainly make me look different in the end. And I'm okay with that. And I think that my, at, before this happened, I think that my kids would have been perfectly fine with that because I did raise them to, you know, look at the body as something that could be customized. And, you know, we're all born with bodies a certain way, but we're getting to the point now with our technology and things like that, where we don't have to, you know, live within those, those uh, confines of what, what you're just given at birth. Now, a lot of us still choose to, and a lot of the reason there is, of course, you know, because we've got like, uh, like mating, right? That which really drives um, a lot of our ideas of like what it, what a good mate looks like, and you know, so so this is uh, somebody who's attractive or or something like that, and uh, and so maybe you collect friends that also look attractive and, you know, might, might help you get mates or whatever. It just the whole idea of looking, looking just like everyone else is a little bit sick. I think it's, it's one of those things that's a little bit sick in the, in, in humanity. It's, I'm, I'm kind of sad that we don't, you know, express ourselves more. I mean, just not, not only physically, but verbally too, but, um, you know, I think customizing your body and things like that are, are, are things that are, um, that everybody should be able to do and, and want to do and, and look at and then say, oh, I really like what you did there, you know, to, to somebody else. So that's, that's my personal opinion. And my, and my kids were always kind of raised like that, you know, so, um, you know, so the, the invasive things that I did want to do that would make me look different and maybe stand out a little bit, uh, at one time, I think my kids would have been perfectly fine with it, but now, um, 
you know, now, now they've got some, some issues, you know, it's kind of been t- turned into a situation of body horror for them now. And uh, so that's, that's really sad. I've, I've got to get them some therapy with a, a therapist that's not been corrupted basically by my, by my ex and, uh, and see if I could get back to, to where things were there. If you just um, sort of tell us about how, how's it been going since you, you launched the GoFundMe page and the support you have, I think you've almost achieved what we'll call your initial target. Um, uh, I hope you're going to keep up there afterwards and hopefully we, with the community we'll surpass it by, you know, a mile. But, um, how's it been like the, the support you and the contacts you've had and things like that? Yeah. So I, I, I've been, I'm really thankful, but I, you know, I, could never imagine that this would have gone like it did. I've, I've got a great response from people. And I, I put up that I wanted uh, 6,200 because I think just budgeting and things like that, I figured, okay, that'll get me through through February, uh, you know, with the, the loss of income, um, the, the attorney fees and things like that. And, uh, you know, the, the therapy expenses for the kids, that's, that's my initial goal. And I thought about it because, you know, these things can turn really bad and, and then, you know, I'm going to be in the hole again, you know, if, if, if it gets drug out or if it becomes a bigger issue than I think it is. And, and there's already talk about, you know, okay, well, if this motion just, just goes through, then, you know, her next step is going to be to, to file a, um, you know, petition to modify the divorce decree and then come in and, and, and try to, you know, basically start up another legal battle and and then that's going to cost a lot more than than what i've basically asked for on the on the gofundme page so in three days uh you know i'm i've i've got uh, over five thousand dollars so i'm you know really close to the goal um and i've been really lucky there I, I debated though, because I was like, you know, should I ask for more? Because I, I don't know, you know, there's a good chance that this is going to go into overtime and I'm going to end up paying a lot more in, in attorney fees and things like that. And I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll just go for the smaller amount because, you know, there's, I, I don't want to take more than I need. You know what I mean? Because my, my thing is <laughs> there's people out there that, that, uh, you know, that, that you could give to, you know, like once I, once I hit my goal or something like that, maybe I was thinking there's, there's probably other people on GoFundMe that have, you know, have issues that uh, are, are a lot worse or something like that. So, so I was hesitant about asking for more basically. So, but it, everybody's, everybody's been super generous. It's, it's really, uh, it's really been humbling for me because, um, I mean, just making a GoFundMe page for me was like a big step in just saying, you know, my, I'm, I'm desperate to get my family back, my kids back. And, but at the same time, I hate taking money or asking anyone for money. So it was kind of a, uh, a blow to the, to the pride, I guess, but um, I'm, I'm glad I did. And the, the amount of support that I've had so far has just been really, really overwhelming. I've, I've been really grateful to everybody. It's nice to see um, a community giving back for all the stuff that, that you've done for it as well. Um, I think 
you've also got to see it as as bigger than just this instance. You know, this is the community coming together and standing up for what we believe is right. Um, the way that what what you've done has been used against you could easily be used against any of us in any role in in that we play in society. So it's 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 more than just trying to sort this out. It's it's the stand that we need to take and have to take to to hope that people you know, eventually start, start saying things for what they are. I think there's, there's one person that donated that said, um, no, I, I hope, I, I can't, I'll get it wrong, but he said something along the lines of, I, I hope adults start saying things the way that your kids do. You know, it's, it's something that we shouldn't be having to do these days, but we have to, when it comes up, fight for it. Right, yeah. You know, I, I really enjoyed that comment too, that, that, that a person made because, you know, it's the truth. Um, you know, all the other when, when my kids would introduce me to their friends, you know, as their cyborg dad and, uh, you know, have me show off, you know, the different implants and things that I had, uh, they were so proud and all the, all the little kids, they were just, you know, totally intrigued and they're like, wow, cool. You know, that's, that's super awesome. I want that. And, you know, and I'd say, yeah, well, when you grow up, you can get that too, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and, and it, I was like the dad with superpowers, you know? And, and honestly, like if I see like another adult who's got like something really awesome that they're doing, I mean, I, I, I guess I have that attitude still too, where I, I look at it and I go, wow, that's, that's amazing. I want that too. You know, that's, it's a superpower. Who doesn't want superpowers or, you know, who doesn't want this extra cool, um, you know, cyborg functionality. So, uh, but I don't know, I don't get it. I don't get adults where they, where they just think, oh, that, you know, what, you know, what have you done there? That's not going to get you laid. That's not going to get you uh, a job or I don't know that there's something weird that happens to adults um, as they get older. I don't know. It's they, they become all about conforming to the normal and not drawing attention to themselves and things like that. And I'm not doing any of this for attention at all. I don't, I don't care. You know, if, if, uh, if anybody knows about it, in fact, there's been, there's been a lot of times when I, I thought, yeah, you know, I get, you know, I, I do a project or something like that. And then, uh, you know, I, I'll read the comments in, in like an article or something. And a lot of them are really just hateful and ignorant. You know, people are saying, you know, why would you implant that? You know, just, just use a cell phone or, or anyway, just, there's a lot of things that, that people say that are just especially hateful. And, and I just, I just think, you know what? Maybe my next implant, I won't, I won't tell anyone. Nobody really knows, needs to know. You know I'm, I'm fine with just keeping it to myself. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Or maybe just tell a few grinders or things like that, or maybe refuse media requests and things. But, um, so, I mean, I'm not doing it for attention, but uh, I don't know. I think other people might look at it and go, oh, he's doing this for attention or something like that. And like, maybe... <laughs> you know, maybe just hate on whatever, whatever I've done, just, you know, because of that. I don't know. I don't understand. And speaking of hate, what have you, uh, often enough, at least in InfoSec communities, I'll run into guys that have outgrown their imagination. I'll put it that way and say that, you know, biohacking, where's the hack? I don't see any hack. It's technology that somebody else developed that you put in your body and it's kind of lame. And that's what I have to say, you know, maybe that's what that keyboard is in front of you too. 
And it just, it just seems sad to me that it's like, yeah. okay, you know, you don't see a connection of innovation. I'm sorry, but it just makes me want to ask, you know, with, with your own pushback and fighting this, have you ever run into that? And uh, what would your answer be to, you know, if you got the question directly to you, you know, kids being around or not, someone say biohacking, where's the hack? You know, what, what would you say on that? Oh, man. I mean, gosh, where do you start? I mean, uh, you know, uh, there's some things that are just uh, extra, extra functionalities, right? Like, like your NFC tags and RFID, things like that, right? And so you've got like an added functionality. You, you know, you could set those up and sure, you could use an external device. You can always use external devices, I guess, for everything. But when you live with it and, and you have it like all the time and, you know, you can interface with your environment with, with, with tags and things like that, right? That's, that's uh, to me, there's hacks all over the place. You know, it, it, finding, finding the applications for it, you know, is a hack, I think, you know? So, uh, you know, but then you get into stuff like, um, you know, the magnetic finger implants and things like that. And you're talking about an extra sense. I mean, geez, that's a, that's certainly a hack. And then building on top of that, right? Taking another sensor and wrapping a piece of wire around your finger and hooking it up to that. And now, now you're using the sensor and that's triggering the magnet in your finger. And now, and now you've got another sense, you know, and it's just, there's like a mountain of hacks that they can be built on that. So I, I guess the other thing, the other thing, especially when you get into sensory things, that, that I run into, and it just blows my mind, the attitude, that this, this attitude, but there, there's this idea like, uh, or this, this attitude like, why do I want to fill magnetic fields? Why would anyone want to fill a magnetic field? Um, so why, why would you want a, a magnet implanted in your finger to be able to fill this magnetic field? And it's such a weird question to me, you know, like, because it's around you. You know, because it exists. We live in a world, and there's something that's invisible. You can't see it. Uh, to me, it's just a no-brainer. Like, that's, that's something you want to interface with. That's, that's something you want to experience. Uh, but, you know, if, if we went to an island, and on this island there was, you know, a bunch of people, and they were born without their sense of smell, and then you're trying to explain to them, hey, uh, you guys can't smell. How, do you want to be able to smell things? And and then, you know, have them just tell you, no, you know, why would anyone want to smell anything? You know, why would we want to be like that? And, and, uh, and then just trying to convince them, look, it's going to be better. You're going to like it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it makes life richer. Um, you're going to experience the world around you, like in, in more, in more depth, you know? So, uh, but I mean, like the people on this island could very well just say like, no, that's just crazy talk. We don't need it. Who cares? Because it's just smell, you know, and they, I guess they have a point to an extent. I mean, you know, you could probably, I know that you could have like not have a sense of smell and get by, you know, and, and live just fine. But I mean, our sense of smell has really helped us out like on an evolutionary scale, of course. Right. Um, I mean, a lot of animals, 
use a sense of smell, and that that helps them out. Uh, so anyway, to me, there's just this weird this weird thing where they're just like, well, you know, why would I want to? People are often gonna tell you, you know, why am I gonna want to bother with this? I'm fine the way I am, and uh, you know, who cares? And I, I really, I don't know that I'm I'm the best guy to combat that attitude. Because to me, I, I've just come to the point where I, people either get it or they don't. I'm not going to be an evangelist exactly for, for this kind of stuff. I, I think we do need an evangelist. But there's some people that confront me with this attitude, and I'm just I'm done talking to them. You know? I'm, I'm just done talking to them because it's, it just, I don't know, it seems to get nowhere. I mean, people either get it or they don't. But I'll tell you this, like, say once you get that magnetic finger implant and it re- it maybe it rejects or you just have to remove it or something it, some, somehow it comes out you're gonna miss it you're gonna miss it like and you'll probably want to go get a new one it'd be just like losing your sense of smell and then you know having the option to get it back you'd probably just get it back again you know or do whatever you have you have to do once you lose it you will miss it and so to me it's like telling somebody without it like hey you're gonna want this you should get this <laughs> Because you don't have it, and I know that I would miss it if I didn't have it too. So it, it's, uh, I, I guess they they just don't know. You know, they they have no no uh, frame of reference or, or whatever. You know, so. So uh, just heading back towards earlier, uh, where you were saying about your kids used to be really accepting of it. I'm assuming that their views have changed being children and kind of really influenced by the adults around them primarily. But don't you see that as a good thing that they were very accepting of differences and now they're, they're being sort of shown the usual way of thinking where it's not to accept differences. Yeah. So in effect, you were having a really good influence on them. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd say you were having a good influence on moulding them and that's kind of been now portrayed as a bad thing to specifically to them. Right. Yeah, that's that that's to me the biggest tragedy in this is that, you know, I used to be super dad and now um now they look at me different, but also, you know, they're gonna look at other people different. You know, if somebody has purple hair or if somebody has uh, a face tattoo or piercings in their nose or split tongue, right? That's, that's all something to be thought of now to them in their mind, I'm sure, uh, you know, as like being a body horror or just different and therefore bad. I don't know. And it's, I'm, I'm not a psych, I'm not a uh, psychologist or, or anything like that. So I, I can't say exactly where they're at. Uh, mentally, I know that when it comes to me, right, they they kind of see me as doing something reckless now, and and um, and self harming, which is which is sad. I don't know how they view other people at this point, and I hope it hasn't got to that point where they where they think that here's somebody who's done something different to themselves intentionally and 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 equate that with self-harm or or something like that i really hope that that's not the case because 
that's that's not the way that I raised them. Yeah. Have you asked for more details on um, the self mutilation argument? Because going by just myself, I've got all the implants as well. I've also got fifteen piercings and a tattoo. Where is the point of it's cosmetic and it's self mutilation differ? Right, and, and that's the that's really the funny thing because in our society, there's a lot of body modifications that are completely accepted like breast augmentation. Now, breast augmentation is very invasive, and if you've ever seen one of those procedures, or like, say, liposuction, I, those are grisly procedures. They're, they're, if, if you expose your kids to witnessing like a li- your, your own liposuction, yeah, that, that might be considered a form of abuse, maybe. I mean, because it's, I, well, I don't know. It depends on your kids, but that's really gory. And it's a lot more invasive than what I've gone through. It's completely acceptable in society. Uh, circumcision, how horrific is that, right? And, and it's completely accepted in society. And in some societies, it is, it is expected, right? Uh, there's, some, there's some tribes, you know, that sharpen their teeth to points and things. There's all kinds of body modifications. Um, and so there isn't, I don't think that there is a, a line, but or a bold line. But the funny thing that is, and I learned a lot about self-mutilation through this process because this is what I'm going to have to go to court for and fight, fight attorneys with, right? Basically, they're, they're making this case that I'm self-mutilating. So I, I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to look up in the, uh, in the DSM-5 and see what they say about self-mutilation. And how this is um, portrayed in, you know, just in 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 psychology. So I looked this up, and it's kind of interesting. They've got like uh, institutes for people who self harm, and the way that self mutilation is is defined is like basically a history of self harming, and it's actually the opposite of suicidal, which which I, I thought was very interesting. People who self-harm, they are doing it as like an emotional um, coping mechanism. And so they don't have the intention of killing themselves or anything like that. They just, they're, they're self-harming to cope with an emotion. So that's definitely not me because everything that I do is not, is not so that I can cope with some emotion. It's not like a, uh, you know, it's not like... Um, I'm out there trying to deal with my problems by, by getting cyborg implants. You know, that's not how, that's not how that goes down. <clears throat> so even the argument of me self mutilating, I, I don't meet the, uh, this, the, the psychological profile of a, of a self mutilator because I'm not trying to cope with my, my emotions this way. Um, anyway, they, they've got institutes that are like basically dedicated to, people who self-harm and they've got some really interesting stuff on their website. I, 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 that's a world that I really didn't know about, you know, other than uh, running into whatever on uh, Tumblr <laughs> or wherever across the internet, you see people committing self-harm and then, and then posting it and things like that. It's uh, yeah, anyway, the, the, the psychological aspect of it, I, I hadn't, hadn't really uh, thought of or been even aware of until 
this whole thing started. Anyway. Uh, it just makes me have to say what is normal anyway, because uh, if deviating from the social norm is going to get your kids taken away from you, um, I think we're all screwed. Yeah, no, and that's that's really scary to me, right? Because basically if somebody can sensationalize something and uh, uh, honestly anybody can take like an accept, even an acceptable body modification, like say a, bra a breast augmentation or something like that, right? Another parent can maybe pull their kid aside and say, hey, mom has done something awful to her chest. She, she had some issues, some psychological issue, and she's kind of damaged. And what she did was just mutilate her chest. You're not going to be able to give her a hug again and not know, right, that that she's, she's got something different about her now. And she, look what she's gone and done. Any parent could poison their kid, uh, poison their kid's mind against any kind of body modification, you know, or a tattoo or, or whatever. It's really like an act that's really selfish and uh, just rotten on the, on the part of the other parent. You know, it's, it's a, to like point, it, point out to their kid, hey, this, this difference, you know, is, is not only um, weird of your other parent to do, but it's also a form of child abuse to even expose you to it because, you know, now you have to live with this, like this, somebody who's got this strange, strange new body, you know, and, and, and how awful is that, you know, and how, how you must feel. Anyway, it's, it's just really sad. And the fact that a court would even entertain this stuff, you know, or, or and, and we'll see what happens. And you know what, it comes, come to find out I'm, I'm not the first guy that this has ever happened to. Uh, Tim Cannon, he was going through a similar custody issue. And in the divorce, it, it came up, or not the divorce, but the, uh, the custody issue. Uh, his biohacking came up and his implants. And in his case, the, the judge didn't even care. The judge just, you know, skipped over it. He said, oh, what, you know, whatever, this is no big deal. Now he lives in Pittsburgh, you know, and they've got a, a bigger population than I do. I, I live in a small town, uh, you know, and I don't know how many people we have, what our population is now, but it's a small town. We've got very conservative people here. They don't like, uh, they don't like different, you know, they like conformity. So the, I don't know, there's, there's part of me that's really scared about the whole situation because you know, in a small town, you could get somebody who just thinks, well, you know, that thing you're doing, that certainly is weird and, and not acceptable. And, and honestly, like, uh, it's, it's kind of exploiting the, the culture, right? And I've, I don't know, I've spoke to the university here, you know, at the university here and at uh, local tech events. And I've really had mixed, mixed reactions because the, honestly, I, I think 20% of the, or maybe 10% of the people really like what I'm doing. You know, 80% are indifferent and like another 10% really hate it. I think there's like a, a visible bell curve, you know, in the audience. And, and so I always go into like any talk or anything like that, um, 
you know, where I'm just presenting this stuff to, to people who haven't been exposed to it before, just knowing that that ratio is probably going to apply. And I'm only there for the te that 10% that's liking it, right? Who gets it? And so I psych myself up, uh, you know, to, to do that before I go in. Now, if I'm going to someplace like uh, Body Hacks, right? Uh, that's, that's a different story because th there's an audience who they get it already. I mean, they're, they're like understanding that they're going to see some, some implants and things like that. But, you know, so luckily I've run into this, this thing a lot where, uh, you know, people are, are really, you know, they're kind of standoffish about it. And I, I get a lot of mixed reactions in the crowd and things like that. No big deal. Um, but I do know that like the majority, I mean, if you take the majority of that audience, I mean, either most of them are indifferent or like just negative against it. And so, you know, going, going before a judge in this town and things like that, I mean, where, where's this judge going to fall on that? Well, you know, hopefully he's either indifferent or leaning towards thinking it's cool. Uh, but chances are, you know, it's going to be indifferent slash, you know, negative towards it. Um, but I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to hope for the best there. But I'm just expanding from that. The judge has to be very impartial. So they've got to look at it from the perspective, not of their own, but in the sense of one, how's it going to influence the kids? And two, how is it actually relevant to the case? Now I know the case is based on it, but, what is to say that it's not going to be normal in five years? And why should you not be able to see your kids? Because you've decided, okay, it would be quite cool to say implant something in the shins, which has a multitude of uses if it does prove to be successful. Um, as an example, people that have come off motorbikes and now don't have use of their legs, this could um, assist them in some way. So, in actual fact, you're potentially saving some people and you're getting, uh, I don't know what the word would be, um, exiled for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, we have, a, in, at least in the US and I'm, I'm, I'm sure the UK is not too different, but we have a long history of, of exiling people that are different in the court systems. So uh, there's, there's a lot of, transgender people who basically have run into custody issues and they're definitely uh, a, mon a minority, you know? So uh, back in the eighties, I mean, it was completely <clears throat> unacceptable to most people to, to have a parent who was, uh, you know, gender, <clears throat> uh, gender fluid or, 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 or going through like a, uh, um, going through a, like a trans, transgender transformation, you know, kind of, kind of thing. So uh, the court systems have been horrible to them in, in those cases, basically a, a similar situation. Basically another parent is, is telling their kids, Hey, you know, your, your dad's a, a mom now and isn't that horrible and you should just feel awful about that. And aren't you embarrassed and, and, and aggravating the situation. And then when they get to court, uh, you know, then, then the judges uh, are already biased because they're saying, well, yes, exposing this to the kids. I mean, this is, uh, 
this is awful. You know, the kids are, look, you know, this obviously had like a horrible impact on them. There, there's some parental alienation that's occurred. And uh, so, I mean, before that also, uh, like, um, like gay people, just homosexuals. If, if you were in a family court situation and they say, oh, well, one, one person's a homosexual, um, they'd, they'd just remove custody from you, you know? In fact, in, in my state, the state of Utah where I live, uh, back in the late, I mean, up till like the early 90s, late 80s, um, if, if a parent, if a man came into the court and said that he wanted 50% custody, they'd just say, no, forget it, get out of here. Everybody knows that moms raise kids, you know, go out and work and pay child support. That was just the way it was. And the judges didn't want any kind of custody issues ever. So the way it would always go down is they just say, okay, well, uh, we want you to, we want to like just nip this in the bud, you know, and, and the kids are just going with mom forever, you know, and, and that's, that's the way it was. So judging or, or passing down judgment on people uh, from a legal standpoint because they fall outside of social norms. Uh, historically, it's been scary because if you're outside of a social norm and especially when there's not enough grinders out there to be able to say, oh, you know, in all these cases where there's been a grinder issue and kids have been exposed to it, you know, they you know, they turned out to be killers or they turned, all the kids turned out to be uh, a sociopaths or, or whatever. I mean, there's no, there's no hard numbers on it. Like there are in, in some other instances of like uh, being outside of the norm. <clears throat> so it's a little bit scary. And just historically uh, things have ended badly for people on, on the outside. We can only um, wish you all the best of luck and give you all the support we need. And, I'm going to plug that thing again, just, just for people. It's the gofundme.com forward slash cyborg dad. So it's gofundme.com forward slash cyborg dad. I think at the moment it's, uh, at the time of recording, it's 5,855 of your initial goal. Um, hopefully we can come together and, and boost that as much as we can. Uh, I don't know, Rich, if you want to say a few words to the audience or not um, before Cooper um, closes up here. Yeah, well, hey, I just want to thank everybody again for all the support that, that I've received. And uh, thank you guys for letting me come on and, and, and tell my story. I hope that things like this don't happen for us uh, in the future. I, I think it's maybe inevitable. But um, if anyone else goes through this, uh, hit me up, email me, or uh, you know, come find me on the Internet because I'd, I'd love to talk. I'd love to tell you. Uh, my story and how this went down. So you hear this in a few years from now or whenever, uh, uh, there's other people who've gone through it too. So come, come find me. And yeah, from one dad to another, all the best. I wish nothing but you know, good news to hear later on after February. And hopefully I can see you in, uh, in January at Bobby hacks. And then, come July at DEF CON again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, special thanks definitely um, to uh, you and to everybody that is given that's taking the time to open up their wallet and open up their heart and say, enough's enough. 
Um, I want to share support. I want to <clears throat> help this guy that doesn't deserve this, doesn't need to you know, be treated like this because none of us, none of us need to be treated like this. And I can't imagine it being a dad and, you know, talking to my wife in depth uh, after just hearing about this, trying to just uh, thank her for her understanding and uh, also trying to see if there are any issues that we need to work on, catch it before anything happens because of my own um, grind as it were. But, you know, even down to what we're doing now, this takes a lot of time. This takes a lot of time away from me and my family and my kids. Um, it, you know, makes me concerned and just opens my eyes to that much more to the possibility uh, of what you might call your life work or your passion at the time might do. And that's just why I have to say, I'm sorry again that this happened to you. Um, but as far as uh, not wanting to stand up and be an evangelist, I'm sorry, but in a way the media has helped to make you one of the, one of the many people that people when they Google, you know, what a biohacker is, a grinder is you pop up. So, um, unfortunately the title is already given to you and I thank you so much for being such a good human. Not, you know, I'm not going to say cyborg in general because just being a human, being a father and sharing this struggle and being truly a man about it. I don't want to sound misogynistic in a, any way about it, but I just want to give you affirmation that you're handling it well. And even down to this discussion we had, I'm very thankful that there wasn't a whole, you know, this could have been easily a chance for you to vent, spit venom, spit fire, whatever you want to, however you want to throw a metaphor in, in for it. But you've shown that you, you're a class act. And I'm lucky to have gotten to meet you in passing. And yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate those kind words. Definitely thankful for the community, uh, for everything you've done, uh, supporting this guy and supporting what we're doing. Because plain and simple, as you can see today, this is not our podcast. Damien, Cursor, me, this is not ours. This is for the community. And this is what just learning, showing fully what, as humans, not, not just cyborgs, that's too easy to label, too easy to classify because modern culture is really bad at that. And I just want to say thank you. And before I get too emotional as a dad, let's say tune in next week. See what we do next. See what what we explore, what we delve into, because it's all about the learning and the sharing. Seek the spark. Science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of be balls, my home is throw exceptions.